Second Timothy, chapter 2. Paul writing to a young preacher by the name of Timothy, You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. Endure hardship with us like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets involved in civilian affairs. He wants to please his commanding officer. Similarly, if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not receive the victor's crown unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Reflect on what I'm saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all this. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel for which I am suffering even to the point of being chained like a criminal, but God's word is not chained. Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Here is a trustworthy saying, if we died with him, we'll also live with him. If we endure, we'll also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. If we are faithless, he will remain faithful, for he cannot disown himself. The word of the Lord. <clears throat> Brothers and sisters in Christ, allow me to remind you of some promises that you undoubtedly have heard uh, over some time. In the 2015 electoral federal election campaign, the Liberal Party of Canada made this promise. We will make every vote count. We are committed to ensuring that 2015 will be the last federal election conducted under the first past the post voting system. We will convene an all-party parliamentary committee to review a wide variety of reforms such as ranked ballots, proportional representation, mandatory voting and online voting. This committee will deliver its recommendations to Parliament. Within 18 months of forming government, we will introduce legislation to enact electoral reform. For years now, Volkswagen has sold vehicles with the claim and the promise that their cars were low emission and environmentally friendly vehicles. In November of 2015, the Toronto Argonaut uh, Chief Executive Officer Chris Rudge wrote a farewell letter to Argo fans. I'm not sure if you're a CFL fan or not. I am, so this speaks to me. But anyway, in the letter he wrote this. He said, the future is bright, indeed bright. After many years of wandering in the wilderness, this gloried franchise embarks on a new era with a bright and vibrant future ahead. I hope you have not only got your 2016 season ticket deposits in for next year, but doubled down. It promises to be the hot new ticket in town. Promises. Politicians make them, car companies and other manufacturers make them, 
sports teams make them, and unless we get a little bit too self-righteous, we make them too. If I get a pet, a dog, a cat, a guinea pig, a gerbil, a fish, I promise I will take care of it all the time. It will be mine and I will do whatever it takes to care for it. I promise to love, honor, and cherish you for better and worse, in sickness and in health, until death does us part. I promise to... You fill in the blank. Promises. We make them all the time. Perhaps even already this morning you made a promise of some sort. Remember the Liberal Party promise? Their commitment to assuring that the 2015 election will be the last election conducted under the first past the post voting system? Well, in, February 1, 20, in the February 1st, 2017 edition of the National Post, it was reported, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau is abandoning his long-held promise to change the way Canadians vote in federal elections. In a mandate letter for newly appointed democratic institutions, Minister Katrina, uh, Karina Gould, Trudeau makes it clear that electoral reform, once a top mind for the Liberal government, is no longer on the agenda. Changing the electoral system will not be in your mandate, the Prime Minister writes in the letter released Wednesday. Remember the promise by Volkswagen about diesel cars, low emissions and environmentally friendly? In an article dated December 10, 2015, the BBC reported, it's been dubbed the diesel dupe. In September, the Environmental Protection Agency found that many Volkswagen cars being sold in America had a defeat device or software in diesel engines that could detect when they were being tested, changing the performance accordingly to improve results. The German car company, a German car giant, has since admitted cheating emissions tests in the United States. VW has admitted that about 11 million cars worth worldwide, including 8 million in Europe, are fitted with the so-called defeat device. The results? The engines emitted nitrogen oxide pollutants up to 40 times above what's allowed in the U.S. Remember, that the, remember the promise that a ticket to the Argo Games would be the hottest ticket in town? Well, over the 2016 CFL season, the stadium was only 60% full and the Argos, Argos ended with a dismal record of five wins and 13 losses. And if you don't like the Argos, you're happy about that, but that's not good for them. It was a year the Grey Cup was to be played in Toronto with the hope that the Argos would be in it, but they weren't. In case we get too self-righteous, remember the promise to take care of the pet for all time? I suspect there's many a parent taking the dog for a walk or changing litter boxes or cages and feeding the fish in spite of the fact that Spike and Fluffy and Fishy belong to Sally and Sally promised to take care of them all the time. <laughs> Remember the promise to be faithful until death parts? Well, in spite of the solemnity of that promise, 
There are many who struggle with keeping it. Promises, we make them all the time, but many of us are rather casual about them. As one writer put it, quote, as a result, promises are frequently made at the drop of a hat with no real intention of keeping them. Let's do lunch. I'll call you later. I'll be there in five minutes. Are all examples of throwaway promises frequently made, seldom kept. There's so many broken promises in our world, so much so that when someone actually keeps their promises, we stand up and take notice. The brokenness, the broken promises seems to be the order of the day. We are constantly faced with politicians promising all sorts of things, but not keeping their word or perhaps not, able, not even able to keep their word. We're constantly hearing about apparently made-to-be-broken sports contracts or seemingly meaningless marital vows or non-caring corporate contracts or promises that are hard to keep, so much so that many of us have become somewhat jaded and don't, don't put much stock in promises anymore. You promise? Yeah, whatever. And when promises are broken, trust is usually affected. When a child declares up and down that they will care for a pet no matter what, and then the parent ends up doing all the work, it'll probably take some time before the parent will agree to something else the child comes up with. When politicians promise all sorts of things but don't deliver, we become cynical about politics. When manufacturers make a claim about their product, which turn out to be untrue, our loyalties are affected. When young people make promises to parents about safe driving or being home on time or whatever and then break those promises, relationships with parents are affected. When parents make promises to children, to children which they cannot keep, children are affected, sometimes for life. Broken promises usually leave a bitter taste in our mouth. Hollow promises make us cynical and leave us wondering if we're wrong to trust the person who promised us something or another. And there seems to be a lot of broken promises around us. Well, it's in the midst of such a world filled with broken promises that we have been drawn to the baptismal font throughout the Lenten season. And every time we have come to this font, we are reminded of promises. Promises made to us and promises made to our children. What promises do we hear at the font? Let's remind ourselves, and if you have the form for baptism open in front of you, on page 960 in the back of the Psalter hymnal, uh, let's walk through that for a moment. Following the outline of the baptism form for baptism, that we've been looking at them since the, we've been looking at them since the beginning of Lent. These are some of the promises. Pastor Amanda began by taking us to Genesis 17, that wonderful chapter in the Bible in which we hear this great promise to Abraham. Abraham, I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. Abraham at the time barren was, uh, was to be the father of a great nation. 
Kings would come from him was the promise, and eventually he would inherit the land. Amazing, this covenant of grace, because that's what it was. God established a relationship with Abraham and his descendants, even though Abraham did not deserve such a relationship. And what happened? Well, Abraham's descendants were many, and kings did come from him. Paul even refers to that in 2 Timothy, descended from David, Jesus. And, this, and his descendants did come to possess the promised land. And that promised land in the Old Testament has always been a biblical picture of the new earth, of the new creation. And we moved from there, as does the form, to look at the renewed promise of the Lord through the prophet Jeremiah. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel. After that time, declares, their, my, declares the Lord, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God. They will be my people, for I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. No longer would the law be written on stone tablets or on paper like we saw this morning up front here. But the Holy Spirit would come and would indwell God's people. And through the coming of the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, sins would be removed and not remembered anymore. An incredible promise. Again, a promise by grace. Because even though, did you see the words there? Even though Israel had been unfaithful and therefore suffered the exile and so forth and the punishment under Jeremiah, yet God remained faithful. Then Pastor John took us to the communion table and reminded us, as Matthew 26 says, of the blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And we're about to hear more about that when we come together this coming Friday for Good Friday worship service to remember that Jesus suffered in our stead. That which had been promised from the days of the Old Testament became true, were fulfilled in Christ. Again, all by grace, totally undeserved. And then last week, Pastor Amanda took us to the book of Acts and reminded us of the New Testament story of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the sermon preached by Reverend Simon Peter. And then he called on those who heard the good news of Jesus to repent and believe and be baptized for the forgiveness of their sins. And then he added in Acts 2, verse 38 and 39, for you will receive the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you and your children for all whom the Lord our God will call. And again, God's grace is on full display. Promises, lots of promises confirmed in baptism. And the Apostle Paul wrote to the young preacher by the name of Timothy in anticipation of the fulfillment of these promises. Here is a trustworthy saying, if we died with him, we'll also live with him. If we endure, we'll also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. He's a faithful God, positively and negatively. And if we are faithless, he will remain faithful, for he cannot disown himself. Thought to be the words of a hymn. 
says the baptism form, and you see it there at the very end, the last little line under that whole paragraph, laying out all of the promises, all the promises, says the baptism form, these are the unfailing promises of the Lord to all who are baptized. That's a powerful line. One that I wonder if we even appreciate, fully appreciate anymore. In the midst of a world where promises, where we hear promises all the time, and many of them are hollow, we come to the baptismal font, we come to this font, and we hear powerful, powerful promises. There's lots of things people don't really trust because, well, we have experienced that many promises are hollow. But in the Bible, we hear a statement which is declared to be unfailing, trustworthy, true, guaranteed. You can stake your life on it. If we died with him, we'll also live with him. If we endure, we'll also reign with him. If we died with him, something that baptism represents, you know, sprinkling doesn't represent it very well. Immersion represents it much better because you actually go under, you disappear, and you're dead. You drown. You're gone. You died with Christ. That's the symbolism. And then all of a sudden, bam, you come back out of the water. You're breathing. You catch your breath again, and you're alive again, alive in Christ. Beautifully tells the story and the meaning of baptism. Dying with Christ on Good Friday, we're going to go under the water. We're going to die with Christ, and we're going to walk out of here solemn because we're dead. With Christ, our sins are forgiven. Now, on Easter Sunday, that's why we're so excited, because we come back on Easter Sunday, because we're alive in Him and alive in Christ. And if we're indeed His children, we'll also reign with Him over all creation like we are created to do. Now, why can we trust such statements? Why can we trust such promises? Because they're made by God Himself. The very one doing the promising at the baptism font is none other than God himself. And boy, we need to understand that. When someone is baptized, it's God who is the chief actor. There's some Christian traditions that seem to say baptism is all about me. But at the baptism font, there are a number of actors. The pastor's here, the parents are here, the elder comes up sometimes and and praise, but the chief actor is God himself. Pastor doesn't do the promising. Parents do some promising. Congregation does some promising. We promise together that we're going to raise the child and tell the child about the promises that God made to the child. But the chief actor at baptism is God himself, the very one who made the heavens and the earth. And as the Bible will testify time and again, he is a faithful God. His promises are not hollow. They are trustworthy. 
Some of us who were at Ivan Fletcher's funeral yesterday were reminded of that once again when we heard the words from Revelation 21. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. And then he said, write this down. Write this down. For these words are trustworthy and true. They're trustworthy and true. It's not just anybody saying these words. He said to me, that is, God said, to the Apostle John, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this. I will be their God. They will be my children. No question of, well, they might be my children. Well, I suppose if they're good enough, maybe they'll be my children. Or I'll think about it for a little while. Should we do that? No. I will be their God. They will be my children. That's God's covenant promise, God's covenant language. The Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the true Lord, the maker of all things is the one who says these things. Even if we are faithless, he will remain faithful, says Paul to his young pastor mentee. Don't forget that, Timothy. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob staked their lives on that truth. I've staked my life on it. You can too. The Lord who had and continues to have a special relationship with his people all down through history has always kept covenant with us. He has always kept his promises. It's in his nature to do so. In spite of our independability, he is totally dependable. In spite of our unfaithfulness, he remains faithful. And as we approach Good Friday and Easter, we remember how dependable God was. Jesus walked on this earth, the path of suffering, all the way to death. On the third day, he rose again from the dead. The tomb was empty. He had risen from the dead. He ascended into heaven and he sits as Lord at the right hand of the Father. Now there is but one step left in the plan of salvation, namely his coming again. And he will come again. Many an Old Testament character staked their life on it and died in faith in spite of the fact that they never saw the Messiah. The thief on the cross staked his life on it even as he was dying. Guido de Bray, writer of the Belgic Confession, who we were going to be studying in Dive into Doctrine, staked his life on the promises of the Lord even as he was executed for his faith. Dietrich Bonhoeffer staked his life on the promises of the Lord even as he was led to execution. The 20 young Libyan men killed by ISIS on the beaches of the Mediterranean Sea staked their lives on it, so much so that the 21st young man who was there, who was not a believer, also confessed Christ before he died. And so the stories go on and on and on and on. It was Ida Fletcher's, Iva Fletcher's hope. It's the hope of all believers knowing that it's true by grace. Dying with Christ means living with Christ and reigning with him 
for all eternity. These are the unfailing promises of God to those who are baptized. Unfailing promises you can count on in the midst of a world where so many promises often ring hollow. Truly, great is his faithfulness. Amen. Father in heaven, in the midst of a world where we hear so many promises made and so many promises not kept, we are so grateful that you bring us, that you have brought us throughout this Lenten season to the baptismal font and reminded us of your unfailing promises to us and to our children. Promises rooted in history, promises rooted in who you are, promises rooted in your grace. Oh Lord, give us faith to accept and to believe and then grant us your Holy Spirit to live in response. May you be our hope, our joy, our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.